And that's the thing I think a lot of people, uh, they forget that we are here to serve wildlife. Mm -hmm. We're not here to, for the wildlife to serve us. So we, because we believe in the North American model, we hunt surplus animals. Hi there, welcome to the Hoyt Bow Hunting Podcast today. I have Danny Ferris with me, co-hosting this episode. We're pretty excited about this it. This is the first time that Alan and, Alan and I have actually sat next to each other while we're doing this. And if you guys have ever seen us, it's painful for me to sit next to Alan because he's quite a bit better looking than me. And we've got cameras on us today, what, so what am I'm I trying supposed to stay to say hidden. To that, Dan? Uh, you're, like, I you're supposed to say, yeah, I, mean, I am a pretty boy. Just because yeah. you have a face, face for radio. <laughs> So we, we have, uh, I, I tell Danny, he's, he's the, we, we need to do these together because he is so much funnier than no, I am. That, that, it'll keep it fun. Well, today we are excited because we are actually at the Pope and Young Convention. Uh, we're together here in Reno, Nevada, and we are with Dallas Smith and Jason Roundsville. I say your last name right, Jason? Absolutely. I, I yeah. thought I would nail it. but It's not Rounds Rounds-Aville. It's you know what I don't so many people butcher it I just don't get that picky anymore. <laughs> so Jason is the executive director yes, of sir. the club, and Dallas is a longtime board member of the yeah. club. Vice president. Vice president. Excuse me, vice yeah. president of yeah. the club now. Well, yeah. I actually didn't know this thing. That, oh, Dallas, no, you've, I mean, you've I, always acted. I I fly under the radar. <laughs> right. it, it's only been a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. VP. I, well. Either way, these guys, Dallas has been involved in the club forever and um, has actually done all of my scoring, like on my stuff, for many, many years. And we've been been good friends. And Jason, you've been with the club for how long now? Three years, just three over three years. years. Yeah, and you've brought a lot of energy to the club. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's it's a it's an easy group to get excited with. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, Danny, what do you think about the convention so far? What, what questions do we have for these guys? You know, it's, it's been pretty exciting here this, this year. Going in, you didn't know what to expect because we're coming off of the COVID. Uh, and, you know, we were supposed to have it last year, and it got canceled. And then in April. And then in April again, <laughs> and it got canceled. And every other convention, every other organization canceled their shows permanently. Right. Of the year. Yep. That's the Pope right. And Young, this is literally the only trade show uh, or outdoor show, conservation show, whatever you want to call it. It's the only one I've it's been, been to this held year. This year. Yeah. Yeah. In, in person. Yeah. Right. In person. Yeah. And, and, and we were bound and determined to do it, whatever it took. So it had to happen. We made some hard happen. decisions, but here we are, and and it's better than we expected. Well, thank you because it's been a great big dose of normalcy that all of us <laughs> needed. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we didn't know what to expect coming in uh i think that you guys were hoping to have 500 people here or something like that we was going to be extremely happy with 500 people right and we have surpassed that by yeah. i heard we oversold yeah. dinner tonight by yeah, yeah we're uh well i think we're about 760 and we're we're actually improvising a little bit for some pizza and beer for, for <laughs> about 100 people for dinner people so. are hungry to get back out yeah things like absolutely this. Well, um, it shows how people feel about bow hunting in this organization Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It shows us our core. It shows yeah. us really how strong we are as an organization. That people, even there are issues still out there, but people have, have hey, we're going to do it. Right. They've traveled from yeah. all over the country. We we have some Canadians here. In yeah. fact, one of the guys, uh, Russ, is he? He's been. He had his wife researching where he could get a COVID, sh COVID not a COVID shot, a COVID test because he can't get back home without a COVID, unless without he gets a COVID, a COVID test. test 
but he can't get lined up for a COVID test because he doesn't have a U.S. address. So he's kind of right in that building. So he's been working working on that. And, uh, that's dedication. That's dedication. He came down and, and he knew that that might be an option that he wouldn't get there. Wow. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know that I've been to a show ever where I've seen people so happy. Yeah. Like people yeah. are, and maybe it's just like the suppression of the social events. Yeah. But people are stoked to be here. People are just laughing and just having that feeling great normal time. again. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And for those of you who haven't been to a Pope and Young convention, and we're gonna get into the weeds about what the club is really about, there's confusion about that, you know. Sure. Um, but if you've never been to a Pope and Young convention, uh, man, it is so cool because there's this grand ballroom down there that is full of bow hunting's finest specimens from the last couple of years. Um, my co-host sitting here has three of them down. He's Matter of fact, he's go to, got his own corner this year. The end of the <laughs> row is the Allen Bolin uh, end of the row, and he's got two beautiful blacktail down there and a, and a huge bison. Um, but it, looking at all those together, I mean, I could spend an entire day just down there gawking at these animals that bow hunters have taken over the last couple of years and have brought here for the for the convention and to yeah. receive their awards and everything for the for the best specimens that have been taken during that scoring period and it's just it's an awesome event and like I've told you before Dallas like you know I think my first convention was Denver was was Minnesota before Denver or Denver? No, it was, was after. Okay, yeah. so D I think Denver was my first one. Yeah, and you know was you that you two thousand eight or or two thousand. It's like so. I, mine was two thousand six, and Lancaster so, was my first. Yeah, Rod Rochester was our fiftieth anniversary, and then it was the one prior to that. Okay. So. Right, and I think so, Lancaster was actually before Denver, as I recall. It gets a little foggy. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> and you know, you have an idea of what the Pope and Young Club is, and um, you're well, familiar you think with of it. it. A lot of people think it was just a record book. Yeah, as, and that's what I thought of it. That there's a, that a lot. organization. You know, that that was my naive perception of what the club was, and like like I've told you, Dallas big eye-opener for me was the first time that I came to a convention yeah and I got to meet some of these guys that have been a huge part of the club for a very long time and listen to the speeches and uh, sit in on a general meeting and um, things like that and get to understand what the club is really all about you know and the the good things that it does and everybody's got those preconceived notions and even those that have come close to the club, they've sometimes got little, little bitches about this this thing or, or part yeah. of the club that they don't like. And um, you know, I've always kind of any organization. The, yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. right. Mm -hmm. Little bitches. Yeah, in some cases, in some cases, big. But you know, to me, this is this club is the voice of bow hunting. It is the conglomerate that where all of our voices come together and you know if you don't like what the voice is saying you need to become involved so that you can help guide what the voice is saying we agree with that completely yeah and and, you, you and we're taking steps to really step up to the plate to uh, to be that voice we've always that's always been in our mantra 
but we've never been good at promoting it, self-promotion. You know, we, we kind of fly under the radar. We kill some nice animals. We, you know, protect bow hunting. We foster bow hunting, but we've never, ever seek recognition for it. Right. Not that we're doing that today. We've just made a uh, concerned effort to refocus what the importance is of the North American wildlife model of management and how we can play a role in that. Right, right, and help. Uh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to say that you know when when you say that the club is a voice for bow hunting, it's interesting to talk about what exactly that means because you know bow hunting could really be defined in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. and and there has to be sort of, I guess a you know a, a, an agreed upon definition of what is fair chase bow hunting, mm-hmm. and how do you decide that and. It, should it be left up to 50 different states to have 50 different definitions of what fair chase bow hunting is? Or, you know, the Boone and Crockett Club, for example, they have a lot of, you know, uh, they've done a lot of work there in defining what fair chase is. And, and I think Pope, Pope and Young Club has done that side by side with them, but has made it more bow hunting specific. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the things that go on in each state really trace back to the club's definition. Right. The reason the states have these long bow hunting seasons and the reason, for example, that, you know, certain states may have had a let off rule at one point is because way back when Pope and Young had that. And so it like went through to the state. And now a lot of that doesn't exist anymore. And hopefully most of that is disappearing. But Pope and Young really has been involved in defining bow hunting. Right. Defining what is fair chase bow hunting within the North American model. And, and that was really, from the very beginning, what, the, what it was all about. We wanted to capture these trophies, create a, uh, a data set that we could use to help prove that archery hunting, bow hunting, was a uh, viable tool for management. So, mm-hmm. And that's the thing I think a lot of people, uh, they forget that we are here to serve wildlife. Mm-hmm. We're not here to, for the wildlife to serve us. So we, because we believe in the North American model, we hunt surplus animals. Mm-hmm. In today's environment, people forget that, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the social media, it's all good and everything, and, but everybody wants a number, they put a number on it, but they really lose sight of why we can be in the field hunting. It's because there's surpluses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as you move forward, think about that. So we set up this program. And those surpluses are generated through conservation management. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. bet. And because of our low impact, it, it lent itself to more time in the field. More time in the field means you're filling your truck up more. You're buying more soda pop or beer to go on the hunt. It's an economical boost to a lot of these rural areas that, that really need it. Those are all things that people don't want to think about, but they're huge, very huge in the scheme of things. So one of the things people have been saying here at the club, at, excuse me, at the convention, that I've heard nonstop for the last two days is, I love the direction of the club. And, and the word change has been used. Like, a lot of things are changing in a really positive way, and I love the direction of the club. I've heard multiple people have said that to me. Tell me about that. Jason, tell me about the new direc- direction, and, and uh, I don't know. what is that even a true statement? Is yeah. there a new direction? You know, it's a, I don't know if it's a completely new direction. It's a new emphasis on, I think, a lot of the things that we've done ancillary for the past 60 years. 
we've always been promoting bow hunting. We've always been protecting bow hunting. Obviously, with the records program and the museum, we're preserving that history. So I think a lot of it is, you know, the board decided that we needed to renew that focus. We needed to put an emphasis on those things so that we could help define our next 60 years. So that we're sitting here or someone's sitting here, you know, in, in six more decades saying, gee, remember when Pope and Young did this? Remember mm -hmm. when they did that? Because we want to be relevant. We want to be the voice of today's bow hunter and, and literally make it better for all of us for the sport that we love. Right. So last night, you, you at, the, at the dinner, you talked about preserve, protect, and promote. Yes, sir. And so, and you just said those three words. Yep. And so that's a new, what, what, what are we calling that? A vision statement or a mission statement? That's is, our three pillars. Moving three forward. pillars. Okay. And, and you're saying it's, it, they've always been there, but we maybe haven't defined it. Is it's, that? Yeah. You know, we've been known as a records organization. And, and at our heart and soul, that's what we are. We will always be a records organization. Right. Because our measures and those, those trophies, that's core to, to what the club is. But along the way, you, you know, you always kind of get, I'm not going to say off course, but, but you get over here a little bit or, or on the other side a little bit. And we wanted to redirect that and focus that energy just on those three specific things because we feel as an organization, we feel we can affect a good change on those. We can move the needle on those three items for bow hunters. And as a board, we looked at it going forward. As we make decisions for the direction of the club, we have to evaluate how that will affect these three pillars. Yeah. So we're not going to do this emotionally. We're, we are setting guidelines for us, this existing board and future boards, to manage the club. We will ask the question, how are we promoting? How are we preserving? How are we protecting? Would it be helpful if we defined each of those three? What do you think, Danny? It would. I, and, and, but let's get back to that. There was one thing that I think is important to point out. You, you said that we ultimately were a records organization. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't understand the value of that record or data set. Okay? And that they think that that is just a way of hunters out there chest thumping you know what i mean but yeah. there is real value to having that data set and there has been over the over the years and for things coming up in the future can you can you speak to that a little bit and because there's a lot of people out there that it just carries a negative connotation for some reason yeah a lot of people think of it as just a record book oh you have a record book yeah well, that, that's cute but it's actually a unique set of data from over 125,000 records mm -hmm. that we have entries. There's over a million points of data for those. And it's been used to help, you know, wildlife managers across the country and actually across the world identify ways, you know, some things that are working and some things that aren't. You can pull our data set for a particular area and say, hey, this management change was made here. What was the general effect that had on trophy quality? Right, and so we can use that for those types of things, and we open our our records up for those professional wildlife managers. And it, it actually provides an amazing testimonial for conservation over the last absolute uh, century. You know what I mean? Because we can look back at the beginnings of those records and see what 
hunting and conservation has done for these wildlife species. Um, so it, that was one thing that I've always felt like people had a real hard time dealing with, and it, for whatever reason, it carried that negative connotation. But there's real data. There's real value to having that complete data set like that. Yeah. And we can go back to what you were saying. That's just one thing that I wanted to touch on. Yeah. We can define. No, uh, and let's let's do, let's go into those three. But but you got me. I want to make a comment now. Okay. And you know I think that the I was and this is just as my opinion, right? I think that the record book definitely does provide a, a ton of great conservation data. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having fun no. and hunting and, no. and measuring animals and getting your name put in the book with that animal either. And that's one thing that we I, need I to be more enjoy that. unapologetic yeah. about. Yeah, that. I mean, there's nothing you know wrong with trying to harvest mature animals that are a fine representative of that species. And the scoring system and all of that, it's sort of like it scores higher when the animal's older and just put together really well and very right. attractive. And it's fun to hunt animals like it that is. and enter them in the book. It's a blast. And there's nothing wrong with having fun doing that. No. So I, my thing is, you know, in today's world, everything's so PC and all this. We don't necessarily have to make an excuse that, you know, hey, we only do record books. And I'm not saying anybody was, right. but I'm just saying in general. We don't need to make an excuse that we don't. We only do record books to to help conservation. No. No, we no. also do it no. because it's it's very enjoyable. It's like a brotherhood of people. They get together and they go hunting and they come back and they compare results. Right. And that's fun. That's another thing I love about the convention. You know, you're here with you know a lot of times over a thousand other serious serious bow hunters yes. mm -hmm. that all kind of see huh. things the same way, and it's it's a blast. Yeah. It's a blast to do. Yeah, it really it's, is. You know, and and even though you've got those those men and women out there that are literally the best in bow hunting what what blew me away in omaha and again this time here in reno is how approachable they are right you know here's somebody that i've been reading articles about or i've yeah. been watching on tv and they're as excited to talk to you as you are to talk to them right. and that that is just having attended a lot of conventions for a lot of organizations i haven't run into that before here Right, right, and it's a bro it's a brotherhood. There are people from different countries, different nationalities, different races, different creeds. Here, none of that matters. No, none of that matters. That, that's exactly right, and and we kind of take the politics out of it yeah. because we have arguably the the top bow hunters in the world here right now at this convention, even though it's a little smaller than in the past. And they all have their opinions and, and their agendas and all that mm -hmm. type of stuff. But we come together here and put that all aside. And yeah. the camaraderie is, is yeah. through the roof, you yeah. know. <clears throat> but by being involved, they help us make the right decisions, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no Stay other convention track. like it where, you know, I go to SCI and, and the Western Honey and Conservation Expo. A lot of different trade mm -hmm. shows and conservation organization, Mule Deer Foundation, all of the, and, and there's at no other convention you have such a close common thread right. between everybody yeah. attending. Yeah. And there's yeah. something, about, something about that, that archery weapon. It's, it's such a... The romance of it. It is. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, and, it, and it's so finicky and there's yeah. so much science and the, art behind making the flight of right. the arrow the and spiritual yeah. flight of the arrow right. going into my ted nugent That's right. yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know I, I gotta add on that a little bit because you know we've always been a core 
bow hunting organization and for a lot of years uh, we were very separated from the archery industry the the manufacturers and whatnot and uh, through board directive here six eight years ago we really made a conscious decision to move forward and and merge the two you know uh, we didn't want to battle against them, and we wanted to embrace them. And, and quite honestly, they've reached out and embraced us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a full complement of uh, vendors down here um, showing their wares. And the unique thing about this is you get a lot of one-on-one time with them. Yeah. You, know, yeah. You, can, you can really get a lot of information through their product or their hunts. There's a lot of outfitters down there. And we never used to have that. Mm-hmm. We never used to have it. And so we're it's, making – we're – doing a lot of inreach within the industry to uh, to tie up some loose ends, uh, bring it all together. Yeah, it's, it's been the, interesting uh, in the planning process because, you, you know, you think, oh, well, we're going to be open for business in July. Right. And, and you talk to some of them and, and, you know, it's things you would never think of. Like uh, one of our vendors says, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do with the booth because there was no trade show season this year. Mm-hmm. And it's fifty thousand dollars just to outfit our booth with the newest equipment mm-hmm. you know all of our new stuff and he says I, I don't know if we can even do that for one show and so it's great because people are excited to be here and I mean, we had outfitters who we talked to them and they're, and they're like you're, you're gonna be in person then I will be there right and so a lot of excitement a lot of energy which is really nice to see after last last year and a half yeah yeah absolutely um, I, I got to give a big shout out to Hoyt real quick. You know, the Hoyt Bow Hunting podcast here. Hoyt's been a great contributor for years, even yeah. before we really reached out to the industry. Uh, a lot of the Hoyt insiders were here, and and I appreciate that out of them because it's it's bigger than just them. You mm-hmm. know, it's bigger than just us, and, and they see that they have that vision going forward. So it's a good point, Dallas. Yeah, I mean, it is. Any one of these manufacturers that are involved. It's not just about sales. It's about no. archery and bow hunting. Securing our future. Yep, that's right. And we all want to go play. Yeah. To preserve. So let's go into the de- definition all right. of some of these things. Um, and, you know, I've had a personal experience with the preservation here recently. And, you know, as many of you know, I own a decoy company. And here recently we... Uh, had a commissioner with a state that decided that he didn't think our decoys should be legal during um, big game seasons. Emotional. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, their game commissioners uh, with many of these states are appointed by government officials, by Mm -hmm. the governor in most cases. and that some of these commissions are uh, getting dangerously close to being built up of people who dependent upon the state and the political direction of that state. Um, these game commissions can be built up of people that aren't necessarily hunters or conservationists. Um, they might be parks people. Uh, they might have completely different interests. Yeah. Um, and in this situation, uh, we had a pretty big percentage of that commission that had no idea when you sit there and listen to them talk for a few minutes they're they are not bow hunters and not hunters period well of course 
of course they had an idea they saw it on YouTube yeah that's that's right and so when this was happening we were trying to uh, uh, combat this and and uh, debating it with them the Pope and Young stepped up and provided us with a position statement along with the state bow hunting association involved and that had a tremendous impact because this this commission understood that this is the voice of bow hunting and much of their legislation as it pertains to bow hunting in the past was developed on the stance that the pope and young took so it was impactful that you guys took that position statement and provided it to us and it, it's going to be more and more important as we go yes. forward because there are going to be attacks against our heritage and uh, the way that we have done things and against conservation and a lot of times uh, they're disguised oh very well you know Disg- and, and to your point going back um, lighted knocks uh, that was a huge debate within our organization. At mm-hmm. first, we didn't accept them. And uh, as we took the time to really dig into how the cause and effect of lighted knocks could affect Fair Chase, mm-hmm. uh, we chose and voted very highly. Our percent of vote to support it was extremely high. Um, and we started recognizing them. Mm-hmm. And, and what that did is it paved the way for the, like the Colorado bow hunting association right. to jump on board and convince their uh, state, agency. state agencies to hey this is bow hunting yeah yeah and that's what we've done all along uh we do get a lot of uh you know people saying well you're living in the past you take too long to do anything and all that and, and that is correct we our structure of our organization lends itself to that but it also lends itself for us to be the most stable and uh, directed to the point organization. We debate it for a long time and it upholds the integrity of Fair Chase. Mm -hmm. If we were making uh, split decisions about stuff and and wobbling back and forth, if something slipped through that was really detrimental to our success rates and those type of things, that would dramatically affect how many days we could spend in the field. Well, and to explain that, when you say Mm -hmm. detrimental to our success rates, Mm -hmm. there's archery Uh, hunting or bow hunting mm -hmm. is a a primitive form of hunting sure and sure if the if the success rates grow explain what happens and sure so so to go a little deeper than that we talked about data set earlier we track that through a fair chase affidavit all the information of you know what day you harvest it what time of day you harvest it how far the shots are all those type of things so we have 60 years worth of history excuse me that we have analysis on so as things start to move on we can see if there's any trends moving that needle any one direction Uh, so it takes time a lot of this stuff takes time so we're not we're never going to be the organization that something comes to us and we're going to rubber stamp it through we're going to vet it out right and make sure we're on the right side once we make that final decision but you got to start somewhere sure and and we've done a better job of that going forward and a commitment from our board with these three pillars especially on the the preservation side is we are going to evaluate these things continue to evaluate them and 
go right. from there. Uh, the crossbow situation, which we've been battling for years and years and years, we have a very good definition of vertical bows and arrows. And crossbows do not fit in that. They're simply not the same weaponry. And now that uh, the crossbow people have created their own records keeping organization, we're supporting them 100%. You Which know, is great. We, yeah, we've yeah, reached awesome. out. We've got over 900 measurers that are in the field. And these, these guys, are the, they're the ambassadors. There's the, their first experience anybody has with Pope and Young Club, typically. And we've given them the option to measure for that organization or not. Some of them refuse to. That's their passion, and, and we can't make them do anything. But the vast majority of them are stepping up to the plate, and we'll build their data set. And at some time when they have a viable amount of entries and in, in data points, we can start mirroring those. And, and we'll probably even at that point, those guys will start realizing it isn't the same, you know. Right. But without true data, we, it's just emotion. So right. we want to take the emotion yeah. out of it. But it's very cool well, that there's, there's the Long Hunter book for mm -hmm. muzzleloader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an Pope and Young Club book. And, and the crossbow book, can you remind me? Bolton Coral. Bolton yeah. Coral, that's correct. Okay, so there's now three separate books for, for primitive weapons, and then you have the Boone and Crockett Club that puts mm -hmm. them all together and adds rifle. And yeah. SCI. And, and then SCI we mm -hmm. have as well, and they actually do some divisions within their, right. their organization. So it, it's great that everybody has a place where, where they can enter animals and, mm -hmm. and, like we say, track for conservation purposes, but also, like I say, have fun doing it. Right. You know, it's yeah. that, that's, that's not fantastic. illegal. It's right. okay to have fun. It is. Yeah. And, and with all those organizations, so everybody knows this, excluding SEI, so Long Hunters, uh, us, the new crossbow guys, it is all the Boone and Crockett measuring system scoring system yeah. yeah we are licensed so to speak to use their system yeah. so it's very consistent all the way across there you know we set our own minimums and and what we're going to do for a fair chase affidavits and those type of things as the other organizations do but the basic fundamental scoring system was adopted by Boone and Crockett right. and, and they license it to us and that's how it'll always be. It, it's not just Pope and Young. We, we actually have strategic partnership with Boone and Crockett. That's good. All right, well, let's define those three because I, I actually think that, it, for example, I think what we were talking about in, in Colorado, that falls under protect. That's, yeah. Correct. More protect. We're gonna protect, you know, bow hunting from, from attacks, basically. We're, you know, they want to just, just chip off a little bit over here, can't use a, a decoy, chip a little, little off of there, can't use this. And, and so that's our thing is to ensure that the opportunities are there for bow, hunting, for bow hunters. Yeah. So there's protect, which is, I guess, you know, protecting the sport from loss. Yes. Right. And then preserve, tell me what, what's the difference there? You know, for, for us, it's preserving the heritage that got us here. How has, you know, how did bow hunting start in North America? A lot of longtime bow hunters don't even know the process that it, it went through to get seasons established all yeah. across the country. And that's, you know, where Pope and Young got its, its roots. And so if you look at that, there's, there's a couple things. Number one, our records program, that is, that preserves bow hunting because we've been doing it for 60 years. We have a hundred and over, well over a hundred thousand animals in that book or in that records program. 
and that is literally preserving that. The absolute definition of preservation. It is. Like you're sort of immortalizing that animal in black and, and white. Forever. Yes. Right. And then another another part that that I'm really excited about is, you know, we've had the Hope and Young Museum. And so here we have the National Bow Hunting Museum. It's going to be down in uh, the Wonders of Wildlife with Johnny Morris and Bass Pro Shops and their team. That's spring in Springfield, Missouri, it is, which yeah. is a huge step. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys been there? It's I've been there. It is insane. I haven't seen that. It it's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Th- there's nothing like it in the world. It's, no, absolutely. It is. It is breathtaking. And to have a bow hunting section of that, I can't tell you how excited I am. Yeah. It's, it's gonna. Be, I, I mean, I'm going to book a plane ticket for my whole family to go yeah, out there the just opener. to see. Absolutely. It. And our our museum, prior to this, was in Minnesota, and it was, it was just it. It was a really cool museum, Fantastic. but it was hidden. It, it, to go there it, it was hard that, to go there just for that. It takes that. you an hour or a half an hour to go yeah. through it. Yeah. You're and not just yeah. passing through Chatfield. That's Minnesota. exactly right. It has to be a destination. So, and it was. Uh, I mean that. That in and of itself is a phenomenal, you know, was a phenomenal museum. We still have it. It's just right now being put into a new form. Uh, so Where it is really like excited. a huge destination. Yes. yes. And yeah, tell yeah, us yes. what the numbers, the, it, what we're expecting numbers-wise compared to how many people used to see it or how many people have seen it in the past compared to how many are expected to see it in this new venue per year. My expectation is that we will have a day maybe if not a day but a weekend once this thing is open that we see more people than we would see in a year wow wow so a weekend gets all that exposure i'd say that's a step in the right direction yeah absolutely and that also helps you know (laughs) not only is that preserving that's promoting bowhunting because now we're getting in front of tens of thousands of people maybe maybe there are bowhunting bowhunters maybe they're rifle hunters or something else and that just didn't realize some of the opportunities available. Now, hey, come take a look at this. This is a lot of fun. Are you ready for the next challenge? Because we're ready for you. And there's a lot of bow hunters out there that have no idea who we are, why we exist, and what we can do for them. So as they go through there, they're going to be drawn to that. And it's going to do a lot of, lot in the form of ev- education that will draw people in. So yeah. it's, uh, and it puts us on the world stage. It, it yeah. really does. I mean, we are a worldwide organization, have members in, I can't even remember how many countries, but it's the next level. Yeah. It's absolutely the next level. So, so protect, we, we, we guard against loss of our rights. Preserve, we preserve our heritage and the records. The one I am most, those were always very clear to me, honestly. Mm -hmm. The one I'm most excited about, and the one that to me in the past wasn't as clear, is the third one, and that's promote. Yeah. And we we just mentioned that briefly, but let's talk more about that, because to me, that's the one that gets my blood pumping. Like, that's the one I'm excited about. So let's let's Let me me just start off on that, because that is, it's really exciting. Yes. The exciting part about it is, we as an organization are actually going to start talking about it. We've been doing it since day one. You know, we've spent, one year we spent over $100,000 with Boy Scouts of America as an outreach program. We've taken the S3DA um, shooting in school programs and, and spent tens of thousands of dollars to get them off the ground and rolling. And there's, I mean, thousands upon thousands of kids that never would have been introduced to archery that it are today now they're not going to stay in it 
Some of them will never come back to it, but we'll have a larger rate of kids coming back into it as life stabilizes for them and they can enjoy it. So we're, we're making a, a, a big effort in that that we've always had. We've just never told people we did that. That's right. great. Well, right. telling That's, people you do it is part of it is. the promotion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's in... Well, it's part of the promotion unless you don't do it, and then there's no promotion. That's right. We have always been a very humble organization. We, it, we weren't doing it for self-gratification. We were doing it for the future. But in the changing world that we're in with the medias that we have, we have to thump our chest a little bit. Yeah. And the, the reason is it's going to make the other organizations have to do stuff too. So any investment that we make into it, it's a snowball effect, you yeah. know. It, it's not just us. People, they see what we're doing and they want to get involved. Well, yeah. you want and your members versa. to be proud of their membership yeah. yes. and you want your non-members to want to be members. And frankly, that will never happen unless it's communicated what we actually do. Yeah. Okay, people yeah. have to know and then people are like, wow, I want to be part of that. That's sure. amazing. Sure. It's it's really and, easy once you get to talk to somebody and tell them about the club and tell them what we're actually, what we do out there. It's really easy to get excited about it. The, the kicker is just getting in front of those people so that they know the questions to ask, so that they take a look at what the organization's about. And, and that's what we're trying to do now. And there's no better time to do it than right now. Right. I mean, with the platforms that we have, it's it's easy to reach a lot of people, and, and we're going to get better at it. You know, there's a lot of old gray-haired guys like myself in the organization, and we're not necessarily all that technical savvy, but we rely on the next generation. There's a generational disconnect there, so we're looking towards you guys right. uh, in your generation and the generation behind you to somebody's going to have to fill our shoes when we're gone you know uh, so we're reaching out trying to mentor a few of you guys to to take our places and and drive it home you're telling us to get one yeah get one, get one. Just get bring one, one. number yeah. yeah and that that's an a new initiative that they've been talking about here at this convention but to tell us about the, the get one initiative. You know, this is the thing is, is we look at, hey, what's the very best way to drive membership? Do we, you know, and we've looked at, at pretty much anything you can look at. Are we looking at at doing, you know, a TV ad on the outdoor channel? Are we looking at, you know, some print advertising, maybe some radio? You know, we, we have a podcast that we're doing weekly now. So we've looked at all of these different avenues for, for how to gain members and gain some exposure. And one of our board members, Jack Culpepper, he says, you know, if everybody yeah. just brought one friend, we all have a friend who's not a, a buddy, a bow hunting partner, or somebody that you know loves bow hunting who's not a member. And so he, he had some T-shirts made up, and, and it was get one. If you get one member to join, right, then you've done your part. And just that, get one. That, you that's know, a challenge to the membership this year. And in saying that, there's a lot of misconceptions out there that you have to have killed an animal to be a yes, member of Pope right. and Young. And, and it simply isn't true. If you want to advance in Pope and Young to become a voting member, then there are some requirements of time and animal harvest to do that. Uh, that was set up so well-rounded bow hunters were running the organization. Right. But the thing now, I think we, we are giving a platform for people that don't even shoot a bow 
can actually support an organization like ourselves because we have so many uh, places that we have a presence to uh, get people outdoors, get people uh, hunting and preserving the, our heritage and the animals. Well, you talked about the requirements for voting membership, um, mm -hmm. and that was, well, again, one of the things that people didn't quite understand. Yeah. And uh, they might have been a little extreme. Intimidated by it. In, in, yeah. Convoluted. Yeah, it, yeah, mm -hmm. and the understanding them. But there has been steps taken recently um, to tear down some of those barriers. Yeah. And there, there's, still, there's still some requirements there for good reason, and it, it, explain yeah, that, but sure. also explain what's been done to make regular voting membership more attainable for more sure. people. Sure, sure. Uh, so when I went through the ranks, it took me 18 years, uh, as at that time they were called associate members, to get into the voting membership block, right. which is a regular membership. Um, that's the way it was set up. Right. I was dedicated enough. I, I focused on it and I did it. Uh, we reviewed that and said the disconnect between who we have in the voting ranks and the people coming up was too great. We need to bring in the talent and passion of the generations below us. <clears throat> so we reduce that to five years. Right. If a person is willing to make a five-year commitment to the Pope and Young Club and meet the requirements of harvest, they can advance into regular membership. Now, what does that mean? That means when there is a bylaw change in our club, you get a yes or no vote. Right. It's huge. You, as a voting member, you have a say of what's going on, and and it's a legitimate vote. It's right. there's no shenanigans going on. When when we call for a vote, it goes out to the membership and comes back, and that's that's the directive we have to move in as a board. And I, I personally had people people that I had you know uh, admire in in the industry that have turned around and said to me, well it irritates me that I can go to some of these other conservation organizations and I can send a check and I am immediately a full-fledged member and I have a voice and blah 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 mm -hmm. um, but you know until you look at the flip side of the coin if if you don't have some sort of vetting process a, a time period of staying dedicated um, some harvest requirements and things like that that means that any Joe Blow any anti-hunter can come in Infiltrate. send a check in and have a voice in your organization. Mm -hmm. This way ensures that we've got dedicated bow hunters that are are, are part of that voting body. And yep. Yep. it's a necessary process and it's a good process. Yeah. Well, we talked about the power of the club even as they affect laws at, at the state level. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's unbelievable how, how influential the club is. And that's so right. You want the people making those decisions to actually be people that have just proven a little bit that they're serious about it and they understand it right you know they're 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 good requirements but they're not so stringent that you no can't they're not unattainable you, know, you just look at it hey yeah these are things that i can do right so. right if you're 15 years old and you decide that you want to be a regular member by the time you're 20 21 you could be you can get you, it done is it you can start at 15 as in you can start at any age. You, there's no requirement on age or uh, animal harvest to, to do it. it, it there used to be, but in mm -hmm. today's environment, there's not. So, and and we have dedicated members as they 
have young sign them up from day one yeah they are they are members from day one so by the time you know they're 15 years old and can actually have a well actually by the time they're seven they can actually vote in our elections if if wow. they meet the other requirements yeah. you know yeah. so typically you're never going to see anybody under that age of 15 but if they meet the other requirements that means they've been dedicated to travel to see other species to, to have a rounded out bow hunting vision mm -hmm. right fantastic so what would you guys say is the biggest challenge to the right now? I, I would you know dallas has been along, around a lot longer than i have but but for me as a as a fairly new guy to the club, I think I'll be the fairly new guy for the next 40 years. But um, as the new guy, you know, to me, a lot, it's a lot of the mis misconceptions yes. about it. I mean, I, I had a friend of mine that I've done some stuff with in the past and big time bow hunter get, gets a lot of stuff. And, and I talked to him and I said, hey, I said, it's time to, I said, I'm, I'm with Pope and Young now. It's time to sign up. And he said, eh, gee, you know, I don't know. There's that whole let off thing. And I'm like, they haven't had let off for, you know, 10, 15, <laughs> 20 years. years. I don't even yeah. know how long. But it's, yeah. I think some of it is there's it, across the world, along the way, people just got a little bad taste for just this or that. And and, uh, and I think that's part of it is people don't realize that it's different than what it was then. So it's interesting to me that, you know, and I'd love to hear what you think in just a second, Dallas, about what the biggest challenge is. But it's interesting to me that, you know, People see the club as a little bit of a policing organization. Not the people who are involved don't see it that way, but mm -hmm. from yeah. the outside, and maybe that was a little bit the way it was 15 years you're ago. You're not years doing ago. it right, so you're yeah. somehow yeah. less. So you're, well, your animal is yeah. disqualified right. because you yeah. used whatever, yeah. or or you know, and it's interesting to me that the club on the other hand is actually like so they go to outlaw decoys in colorado and the club's saying hey you can't take away decoys from right. us they're actually fighting that we can do more that's right not less yes. that's right now yeah. when it comes to like defining what fair chase bow hunting is there has to be some parameters on that and i think the club's done a good job like there's no let off requirements you can have lighted knocks on your arrows mm -hmm. um you know we there's a few things still you know bow mounted rangefinder yeah it's not we've decided at this point that it will point. always be that way i don't know yeah but sure yeah and, and, and so in our infinite wisdom and our founding fathers they looked ahead and tried to predict what technology is going to do yeah well none of us have a crystal ball that's right, right. and some of our rules were written written pretty exclusively you know really cutting out any imaginable thing you know um, and those have been massaged over the years. You know, we've loosened them up and whatnot. But we still have to have a pretty stringent, you know, baseline to go off of. But moving forward, we can look at things on a line item basis to determine what their impact is. Now, it's not going to be overnight. Mm -hmm. We have to maintain the integrity and make sure we get it right. You know, some would argue that if it takes us five years to make a decision, we got it wrong. Well, possibly, but we will finally get to that conclusion and it'll be backed up by data. Yeah. It's not going to be an emotional um, decision. Or spur of the moment. Just, yeah. You're going to yeah. take yeah. your time with it. We'd rather make the right decision than make the wrong one quickly. Right. Yeah. right. right. And we'll, we'll use parameters like what is its potential impact on our harvest rate? 
because I mean one of the biggest draws to bow hunting is our long season structures yeah, right absolutely. I mean some places you can hunt 90 to 100 days 120 days it's like wow this we is can, the number one reason I started bow hunting absolutely you know, Dallas, oh I believe it archery season yeah. in Salt Lake County yeah like they get a hunt for almost four months yep. yeah. yeah I want to do that you I don't, so I have to shoot a bow okay right I'll shoot I'll a bow like that for four yeah. months yeah. but in order to maintain those we can't let um electronics and those type things influence our harvest rates that much if we do we're going to start losing time so you know when we talk about ethics and that's what it's all about is how can we preserve what we have today and not have to start giving up time in the field right it's and, and then on the other side of that as responsible bow hunters i said it earlier we serve as a tool to manage wildlife <clears throat> if you live in a state that uh is asking you to kill a, a buck and five does if we don't do that we aren't doing our jobs yeah. and it's hard sometimes you know you if you're managing a property or something to shoot does but it has to happen to have a sustainable healthy herd and that's really what it's all about. we lose focus of that you know it's you know you you bring up the potential loss of seasons and i think everybody would agree that 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 abundance or not abundance but that the ability to spend more time outdoors at least helped draw us to bow mm -hmm. and so i'll just uh, it's kind of a, a little bit different perspective but if if a state came to us and said hey we we think we need to close the bow season we need to cut it in half and 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 only allow you half the amount of time to be in the field Pope and Young would be up in arms. Everybody would be up in arms because that's that's not the right decision to make. That's why would you do that? So if you take what Dallas is saying, well, we want to make sure that we're not allowing equipment in there that would that would be so jeopardize that jeopardize so that that we're basically ensuring that down the road we're going to have our season and and it's not going to be the so what does the data say? What has, you know, over the last 10 years, as technology has gotten better, bows are, I mean, my bow today is so much better than it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it Has it increased harvest rates? Not on a overall scheme of things. There are certain microcosms uh, that it has. Mm -hmm. uh, they're probably small enough that we're not worried about losing opportunities at this point but we're right on the cusp on some things you know we we really are and, and some of that is you know the long-range shooting and whatnot that is so promoted today and i'm not going to sit here and uh, tell you what you should shoot how far you should shoot because there's guys out there that are a whole lot better at 80 yards than i am at 40 yards you know so i'm not going to uh, tell them what they can do but I just want them to think about what the effect, the, the perception of that is downstream. Right. Uh, that's probably the largest movement of the needle that, that we've seen in these small areas is the shot distance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you talk about uh, bow mounted range finders and that type of stuff. You know, there's an argument to be made that, well, if you know the art yardage, it's more. Um, more apt you're going to make a clean and ethical kill right. well it's also an argument that could be made that you're going to stretch that shot out there which offsets that so uh it there's no one perfect answer we got to find the balance that works yeah. 
that. Sam, I, I, I don't think that all of our increases in harvest uh, statistics is due to technology. Our bows have gotten better, no doubt. Yeah. However, the availability of information nowadays, like you know, when when Dallas, when you were young, what did it take for you to become really a proficient bow hunter and to learn how to do this? Time in the field. Yeah. Time in the field. It took it took years and years Mm -hmm. and reading a bunch of magazines and books and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now. We just jump on there and we watch Alan Bowen teach you, you know, jump on our, on Instagram TV and watch yeah. him teach you how to shoot. The art and, of and shot. No, yeah. like, no, seriously, that used available. to be black magic. <laughs> no, it did. Yeah, now you yeah. can look at it on YouTube, Tim Gillingham or whoever, you know, and yeah. it's just like, whoa, that's easy. You can learn in a weekend what it took people decades yeah. to learn before. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, I remember waiting for those magazines. It's like, oh, the magazine should be here any day. Sure. That was your information. That was the super highway that you literally sat by the mailbox for. Now you just pop up your phone and you can get anything you want at any time. Right. Yep. And that that has an impact as well. Yeah. And the coming from a standpoint of being there, so I, I was in the archery industry early on. Right. And uh, what was tuning? Nobody knew. You know, we knew what tillering was on the recurve bows, but as it came into compound, we didn't even realize what the cause and effect of that was. And as that was developed over the years, that was hugely uh, put into the design of new bows on it, to make them easier and, and more intuitive to do. Right. And, and we're reaping those benefits today. You know, 20 years ago, it was different. 40 years ago, it was even different than that. Sure. And 20 years from now, it'll be different. It'll be different. So, but that's all part of that technology thing. But the bottom line is, if you're not dedicated to practicing and uh, creating that muscle memory in the shot, all the technology in the world's not going to help you. Right. You know, you still have to have that passion, that drive to get out there and the love of shooting an arrow. Right. And I, I still do, man. I love to watch those arrows fly, you know. Yeah. And even with the bows today shooting arrows so fast, it's like, man, I, I miss it. I, I want to see that almost slow motion arc yeah. of an arrow flying through the air. So. I actually shoot in the evening just because the angle of the sun mm-hmm. makes it so I can see just whatever the orientation of my range makes it so I can see the arrow the whole time. It's yeah. so much yeah. fun to yeah. watch it fly. Yeah, I, I do that. I practice with luminons just so I can see. Yeah. Rather, than my, rather than my eyesight isn't what you guys yeah. have, but it it helps me because you get out there and you can see that arrow. You know where you're hitting. It's just it's super fun. cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you shoot a rifle and you see a hole in the paper, and that that's not that's as exactly fun right. as seeing that arrow fly. It's so and it's quiet. It's relaxing. It's soothing. Right. And it's cost effective. Sure. I mean, it's a little yeah. bit expensive to get in the game right now if you want it to be. But, man, you can shoot a lot of arrows. Those arrows will last you a long, long time. Long, time. You yeah. know, but there's some equipment out there that you don't have to break the bank. I mean, well, absolutely. even, even That's the, exactly the right. entry line stuff yeah. is is better and than it, we had 20 years ago and it gets overlooked because of the marketing efforts of the oh, companies yeah. i mean you can really get into one heck of a hunting bow for just a few hundred dollars right. yeah. yeah yeah you don't have to go with the flagship matter of fact the bow that's probably four or five down in any company's bow lineup or even at the bottom of the list mm-hmm. is better than the boat the flagship bows from 15 yep. years that's ago. Right. oh absolutely yeah, you yeah, know for sure for sure. And at the same time, you still got some guys that are shooting that bow from 15 years ago, and yeah. still 
completely effective with it. Yeah. I'm one of those guys. I, Are you? I'm slow moving on the new equipment. I mean, I'll get it every year, but if it doesn't really take it to that next level, I have a hard time staying with it. I'll sell that one and go back to my old trusty, you know. Right, right, uh, right. I'm so, excited about it. I'm looking forward to the new, the five. I've had one the of RX those five. on. Yeah. Oh, man, I've had one you of those on. You have one coming, right? I do. It's yeah. been on its way for a while, and I know they've been <laughs> – I can't wait to get my hands on that and try it out. I've heard so many great things. It's, it's an awesome bow. It I, awesome I actually bow. opted after having shot both. I went with the Ventum 33. Okay. But that RX5 is sweet. The new cam system, it um, it's it's different because I've I've been using cam and a half for almost 20 years now, and this new. But what I found is I think that the knock travel is more level, and I'm I'm getting, for example, with broadheads, I'm just getting better flight than wow. I've ever had before. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about the changes they made this yeah. year. Yeah, I, I almost I didn't I didn't do it last year because I said, hey, is, are, are the changes big enough I need to make? And they said, you know, here's what we changed, and then I waited. And this year it's like, wow, oh, that's, that's truly something yeah. different. Yeah. So I can't wait to get my you hands know, it, on it. It's kind of interesting hearing you guys talk because we're talking. You know, we're here as the Pope and Young Club, and now we it, it shifted to the equipment. <laughs> but no, this is this is a good thing because. These companies change almost too often in some situations, and it's it's not always the technology that's moving them. It's it's the marketplace that moves yeah. them, right? And they have to to be relevant in that marketplace. As the organization, we're not trying to sell a widget. We're trying to sell a lifestyle. We're trying to sell a heritage and lifestyle. So, you know, we have to move slower. We yeah. we cannot just change it left and right because we either leave people behind or not invite them in so we but have I don't to know that it changes that quickly what the the product that that you're talking about oh yearly more, every six months there's well, new product the technology lines. does but i'm talking about yeah. the product of the club which is the oh lifestyle. oh sure yeah no that's, we, that's we try not to i mean it might change over sure over the but, decade and, but and it's not going to change every six and, months and that's the the point i was trying to make that's why we move slow yeah because the end game is different. We're not, we're not out there trying to get a piece of the bow sales pie. Right. We're out there to try to ensure that everybody that's buying into that has opportunity in the future. Yeah. So Dallas, I got to ask you. I mean, when you're you're like a bow hunting mentor to me. I mean, you've just you've done it for so long. I remember when I first got in the sport. I used to see you down around Jake's, and I mean, I looked up to you. You probably didn't know who I was back then, and you know, I. I've, you know, just watched you over the years. And um, you just, like, when I think of Dallas Smith, I think of bow hunting, period, you know? Well, thank you. Could, could you tell us what bow hunting means to you in your life? What it's Wow. Um, I mean, it is my life. I worked in the uh, archery industry for 28 years. Um, I met my wife through archery. Uh, my whole family's involved in archery. Uh, I just... As a young kid growing up in the Midwest, my dad was a competitive archer in the early 60s when I was a kid, and I just seen the passion he had for it, and it just carried over. I mean, I could not wait to get out of school, grab my little recurve bow, and head to the tracks, you know? And I just had that immediate connection with outdoors and with the animals. It came relatively natural to me the the movement of the animals and uh, the respect for the animals and what's going on so uh, to me it's life it, it is simply 
you go out and you see uh, the deer fawning and you see them in the fall, you see them rutting and you see it full circle. I mean, it, it's, it's like a microcosm of life right in front of you. And uh, I look at that and it's like, wow, I play a huge role in the preservation of that. You know, without us as bow hunters and, and rifle hunters and even the crossbow hunters, without that, these don't exist those opportunities don't exist right. and uh, and that's why i've been involved because it's been so rewarding for me over the years and i do remember alan i do it because i i've always been a, a, astute to the people that have the talent and the same type of passion for it that i have and uh you know and those are the people that we want involved in the club but it's not just them because some of that times that passion don't hit until later in life and uh and so we want everybody we want to expose everybody to that share that passion and, and just keep this train moving forward to secure what we love to do and the animals you, you know, know that's go, yeah go that's ahead, not please. the first time that i've heard that about dallas smith i've I, somebody the other day and i forget who we were talking to but somebody here at the convention you know dallas sold me my first bow mm. way back when hmm. and now they've got animals sitting downstairs in the in the banquet hall so I'm being honored. Well, and what you were just saying um, about how it makes you feel and what it means to you and this drive you have to preserve it, and that's why you've become involved now more than ever. It is time for those who want to see our kids and our grandkids enjoy this and be able to experience the same things and enjoy the same yeah, the same heritage that we've had passed down to us we need to be involved yeah we need to pay attention take a stand with the uh, pope and young that's exactly right so um we're hitting about the hour mark yeah and it's been a great talk it's painful sometimes to cut it off at this but we we try to and we, our our listeners have said man it's it's a good mark for us we don't go too long so we'd like to talk to you guys again one of these days and before Anytime. the next uh uh the, convention. the next convention but uh we're enjoying ourselves and we appreciate you guys sitting down with us and we appreciate all sharing your, your efforts and, and you. heart and soul you put into yeah. the club and and through that into bow hunting and, and so with that we're always available yeah. if you yeah. guys have a question if there's an issue out there we'll address it to the best of our ability and uh, we we don't want to be shy we we want people to know who we are yep. and uh, what we're doing moving forward no we appreciate you guys having us Thank on and, and a shout out to hoyt one of our corporate partners appreciate it yeah, and it, why don't you real quick jason just tell people how they can get the best quickest way to get more information on the club you know the best quickest way for information on the club at least in the next few months is going to be at our website www.hope-young.org we've got a new website kicking off here shortly and we have one now but we're looking to new and improve so, enhance it yeah yep that's the best spot check so it you out. can sign up for membership on the website you can sign yes. up for membership absolutely okay. we have some merchandise you can enter your there. information you can enter your credit card number and you got a membership it's that yeah. easy Yep. And how much is a membership? $45. $45, and you become yep. a member of the Pope and Young Club. And after five years of paying $45, I'm a voting member. It, well, there's, there's other requirements. You do some harvest right. and right. things like that. But as far as the time requirement, correct. Yep. Okay. Correct. I and invite everybody to do that. I, I joined the club in 2006, and it has been just a thrill and, and an honor to be part of it. So. And we make it easy. Uh, we have 
two and four year options that you can pay up front. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. You're, you're on your way. And uh, I'll tell you, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you love bow hunting. You, you wouldn't have listened. You wouldn't listen exactly to us if you didn't right. love bow the hunting. The passion is and in. And if you love bow hunting, you should join the Pope and Young Club. You absolutely, you absolutely, should. you should get off this podcast, pull out your phone, open up the website, and sign up. It's forty-five dollars, and you're preserving bow hunting for your children and grandchildren and yourself, for that matter. And it's a lot of fun to be involved in the organization. The magazine you get is great. All of the information, being involved at this level, is a lot of fun. I invite all of you, strongly invite all of you to join, anybody who's listening right now. It's the best thing that you can do to promote, preserve, preserve and protect your bow hunt. That's right. Boom. Thanks, guys. Thank you.